Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. This has been, uh, as Seth mentioned in his pastoral prayer, it's been another, another tragic week and uh, a heartbreaking one. I noticed as the news was breaking and, and, uh, and then as the story came out that one of the children killed in Nashville was the daughter of the pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church. And of course, the uh, news media outlets were anxious to hear what he would have to say. And I was struck by what he did say. Uh, he tweeted one simple statement, and you may have seen it. Pastor uh, Chad Scruggs said, through tears, we trust that she, his daughter, Holly, is in the arms of Jesus. I thought to myself, what a gift. In a time of extraordinary and senseless loss, Pastor Scruggs gave to the Lord Jesus the most extraordinary gift in the loss of his daughter he pointed to Christ and he said in the best way possible, Jesus is our everything. I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles and turn with me again to John chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 8 and Mark 14, 1 through Nine, and uh, we're looking, if you'll recall, we're looking at Mary's gift, at Mary's gift to the Lord Jesus. It is of the same kind and it is of the same quality as the, uh, the Scruggs family in Nashville, and it makes, makes our time in the Word even more poignant. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, the scripture says, six days. Before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner for him there. They gave a dinner for him there in Bethany. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He 
He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Listen, the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. He's pointing to his cross. It's just a few days away. He's saying, you will not always have me. Now, we looked at this passage last time to examine what true devotion to Jesus involves and includes. And no one models that more powerfully for us than Mary of Bethany. And today, in preparation for the Lord's Supper, we return to this passage so that we can examine ourselves when it comes to our own devotion and where it's being given as we live our lives today at the, uh, uh, in the early months of 2023. Now, we've seen that Mary's devotion comes as, as a kind of impromptu gift among many, many other gifts given to Jesus. In this final visit to Bethany before his triumphant entry into Jerusalem at his cross death and his burial, in this main passage of ours, particularly in verses one through three, we see a, a whole series of gifts being given to Jesus. John tells us that several months after raising Lazarus from, from the dead in Bethany, just before Passover in Jerusalem, Jesus comes again to Bethany with his disciples and the village is excited to welcome him back and, to, and uh, gives to Jesus then the gift of essentially an appreciation dinner. Mark in his gospel tells us that Simon the leper gives Jesus the use of his home. John tells us that Martha, Lazarus and Mary's sister, gives Jesus her service, preparing and serving the food. And the resurrected Lazarus, well, he gives him his fellowship, reclining next to him through the dinner. And so there's this whole array of gifts being given to Jesus, watch, out of recognition of what he's done to Lazarus. And they're saying, you've done a beautiful thing to him. Then comes Mary in the middle of the dinner, bringing her gift. And Mary's gift stands out in stark contrast to all the others. Why? Because Mary's gift is so extravagant. It is, as we said, beyond all expectation. She pours out $60,000 worth of perfume on Jesus all at once, including his feet. Her gift is not only extravagant, her gift is unconditional. It has no limit. She gives herself and all that she has. Her gift is humble. She sees Jesus in his greatness. She sees herself in her smallness and she not only anoints Jesus' feet, but acts like a common slave or a servant and cleans them doing what even servants didn't do, cleaning them with her hair. Her gift is extravagant. It's unconditional. It's humble, but it's also controversial. It is rejected by those around her, as we shall see. Mary is strongly criticized for what she does. Mary's uh, gift is different in kind and quality because she recognizes and she appreciates what others don't. The village and the disciples recognize and appreciate what Jesus has done. But Mary, Mary recognizes and appreciates who Jesus is. God's own Messiah, the resurrection, the life. 
just as he claims. And so the village gives Jesus a full dinner and their attention. But Mary gives him her full devotion and her affection. And that's what makes all the difference. This is Mary's gift. This is Mary's gift, devotion and affection without limits. Now, here's the problem. The village's gift, Lazarus's gift, Martha's gift, Simon's gift, all of these gifts, they're very reasonable. Everyone can see those gifts and, and recognize them. They, they're reasonable. They, they uh, uh, express a word of thanks and a word of gratitude. And they are saying in so many words, you have done a beautiful thing for our, our friend Lazarus, our brother Lazarus, our neighbor Lazarus. So thank you. It is a, it is a beautiful thing you've done to him. This is, this is uh, to be expected. Mary comes with her gift and it is so obviously unreasonable. So obviously unreasonable to everyone watching, especially Jesus' own 12 disciples. And I think it is because of what Mary's devotion says. Now I wanna look at that with you. And then having seen what Mary's devotion says, I wanna see with you why her devotion matters most of all, why her gift has no equal. You'll notice with me in our passage in verses four to six, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, verse six tells us because of his motive. His motive was to enrich himself. In Mark 14, Mark adds to our understanding of this event when he says that after Mary anoints Jesus, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, in other words, they were angry at what they were witnessing. Why was this ointment, what is the word there? Wasted. Why was this ointment wasted like that? This ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii given to the poor. And so they scolded her. And so you've got Judas coming at Mary out of, a, out of a selfish motivation. But then you've got the disciples coming at Mary. They are incensed, angry. They're scolding her in the original language. In the Greek, it says they continually scolded her. They would not let up. Once they saw what she was doing, they hammered and hammered and hammered and said, what are you doing? This is so foolish. This is so reckless. This is unbelievable. What are you doing? What you're doing is wrong. It's unjustifiable. It's unacceptable. But Mary's extravagant, unconditional, humble devotion to Christ is actually bringing into full view something that's happened to her, and that is a massive shift in her values. If you look carefully at verses four to six, and then Mark 14, four to five, you'll notice that the criticism of the disciples centers around value, it centers around worth. It is the worth of the perfume they're, they're so concerned about. The idea is this, Mary, if you're going to give this perfume away, it's better to sell it and spread its value around to those who are poor and need help to do what you're doing. 
to, to, to do what you're doing with this perfume is, is, is reckless, it's thoughtless, it's a waste. And all of this sounds right and righteous and reasonable. And, and to a degree, they're right. They are right. Mary's gift is a matter of worth, but Mary is actually making a statement about the ultimate worth. She's actually making a statement about the ultimate worth of Jesus in her eyes now. She had heard Jesus teach. She had heard Jesus' claims. But now that she'd witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus, now that she'd heard his own explanation that he is himself the resurrection and, and the life, she has crossed over. She has come to a deeper understanding and a recognition and an acceptance of who Jesus is. The disciples are looking at what Mary is doing and seeing Jesus, and yet, though they've seen the resurrection of Lazarus, they have seen what she's seen, they, the disciples are still saying, nobody is worthy of that kind of gift. And Mary is saying, oh, but Jesus is. And so her recognition of who Christ is, her devotion to him, leads her to say and show in the best way she could something that I saw captured yesterday in, in, in an airport on a hoodie. And it simply said, Jesus over everything. And this is ultimately and finally what Mary's gift shouts. And there's an important lesson here. And it is this, whatever has our true devotion and affection will always transform our true values and priorities. Judas is affectionately devoted to money and so he, he's willing even to steal from the money bag. And so he's angered when so much that it could have been poured into him is, is poured out on Jesus. His devotion, his affection are centered on money and pleasing and blessing himself. I'm going to please and bless myself at every opportunity, and money is the best way for me to do that. After this event, just as a sidebar, when Judas is rebuked by Jesus for his rebuke of Mary, when Jesus rebukes Judas for rebuking Mary for pouring out a year's worth of wages on Jesus' feet, do you know what, Jesus, what Judas does straight out of the gate? Do you remember? He leaves that dinner he goes straight to the Jewish leaders and he sells Jesus at a bargain price because he could not get his hands on a year's wages. He sold Jesus for the equivalent of three weeks work. But he was infected by a devotion to money pleasing and blessing himself. His true devotion, his true affection had transformed his values and priorities. The remaining disciples, they're devoted more to the work of God here with the poor than to the God of the work. Their values and their priorities reflect their devotion. And undoubtedly, the disciples are thinking that giving generously to the poor is what pleases and blesses God. That's what he wants and that's what they should do. I mean, isn't he, as, as uh, Psalm 68 says, the father of the fatherless and the protector of the widows? 
But seeing Jesus as he really is, Mary has a different view. She's not saying the poor don't matter. She's saying Jesus matters most. She has a different set of values and a different priority. Mary's gift says and shows that she's experienced a shift, a transformation of her views and her values driven by a transformation of her love. Mary's love for Jesus post-resurrection, post-Lazarus resurrection, is a love that now exceeds all other love she, she has or might have had. It exceeds her love for, for Martha. It exceeds her love for Lazarus. It exceeds her love for the poor. It exceeds her love for what people like the, like the other disciples think. She is absolutely unfaithed. They hammer and hammer and hammer. She does not back down. It exceeds her love for herself. It exceeds her love for her alabaster jar and her $60,000 perfume. Through her act of worship, Mary declares that Jesus is her life's great treasure now. He is of the greatest worth, and therefore he's worthy of being honored and blessed with the sacrifice of her life and her possessions. Mary has gone from honoring and blessing herself to honoring and blessing him, and she has finally discovered her purpose and her reason for being here. He is worthy of being honored and blessed with the sacrifice of her life and her possessions. So Mary's gift is showing and saying something profound because Mary knows who Jesus is and loves him as he is. Jesus has made a total and permanent impact on the way she sees and measures everything. Everything she possesses and everything she is is actually now valued. Watch this. Not in terms of, of, of the worth assigned by the world or the worth assigned by others, but everything she has and everything she is is now measured by its worth in, in relation to Christ, by, by its worth in relation to how it can be used to honor him, to exalt him. And so the worth of everything now is measured by Jesus. What is the worth of your car? The answer to that, to a person whose life is fully devoted to Christ is, the value of my car is whatever it is worth in advancing the cause of Christ. This is a crazy way to think. What's the value of my house? What is my house worth? Whatever, whatever can be done with it, to advance the cause of Christ and honor him. What is my job worth? Whatever about my job can be used to advance the cause of Christ and to honor him. That's what my job is worth. That's what my life is worth. What the Scruggs family was saying, do you want to, what is this? Do you want to know what our daughter is, is worth? Our daughter is worth whatever it takes to advance the cause of Christ. If, 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 if my daughter's life is taken by a murderer, I will take her life, lay it on the altar of Christ and point to him. Jesus becomes the ultimate measure of the worth 
of everything we have in our, our time, our gifts, our possessions, every opportunity that comes into, into our lives, every, ch- every choice we have to make, the value of it is not measured by whether or not, now watch, by whether or not this can be used to bless and please me. The value of it is not measured by whether or not it can be used to bless and please others. That's the point. The the poor are not the point. But how can this be used to bless and please Christ? That's the start. Now, do we care for the poor as a consequence of that? Of course we do. But you cannot replace work for God with worship of God. You can't replace worship, honoring, valuing Christ with a, with a, with a, with a uh, honoring and a valuing of work for Christ, even when it comes to the poor. Does that make sense? Everything flows from him. Everything's measured by him. What will be, do you think, the standard on the final day when we stand before the Lord of our lives? What will be the measure? What will be the measure? Will will the Father line me up with all the other pastors who have ever lived and measure me by them? Are you sure? A lot of pastors think that's actually what's going to happen. Well, you weren't so-and-so, so so you're kind of, you know. All the fathers line up and say, here's how you ranked as a father. All the mothers lined up and here's how you rank. On that final day, who will be the standard? We're sunk. Except, that he covers us with, with his righteousness. And the Father, I have, I have a sense on that day, he is not going to be nitpicking, looking for all the ways we didn't look like Jesus and didn't love Jesus and didn't value Jesus. He's going to be going after those times and places where Jesus was our everything. And he's going to say, yes, that's what I was looking for. That pleases me. I saw that in your 30s. That pleases me. I saw that in your 60s. Oh, that pleased me. That pleased me. I saw that. I saw that. The things that will get rewarded are the things that are living demonstrations of devotion and affection for Christ. Well, Mary's gift has absolutely no equal, and the scripture tells us why. You'll see in verses 6 to 8 of John 12, and then in verses 6 to 9 of Mark 14, why. In verses 6 to 8 and and in Mark 14, 6 to 9, Jesus does speak up, and he soundly rebukes the rebuke of, of Judas and the disciples, and he tells Mary's critics to stop with their criticism and to leave her alone. 
And he challenges their evaluation of Mary's gift with his own evaluation. What they call waste. Look at Mark 14. Jesus says she has done a beautiful thing to me. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Not for me, but to me. What is he saying? She's given me a gift. She's given me a gift. She's done a beautiful thing to me, a good, desirable, pleasure-giving thing. On what they call reckless and thoughtless, Jesus calls good and noble. She has honored him. In other, she has blessed him. She has pleased him. Jesus explains how she's done this in the context of what will happen to him in just a few days. He says, leave her alone so that she may keep it in John 12, 7, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Listen, the poor you will always have with you, but you don't always have me. In other words, what Mary has given is, unbeknownst to her, she's given a preparation for a tragic day that is coming. Her anointing of Jesus' body will be something that Jesus says she will be able to keep in her mind and remember when she finally sees what Jesus sees now, a cross and a grave. Then, on that day, as Jesus says in Mark 14, she will know in the brief time she had, she had seized her best opportunity to do what she could with all she could to honor and bless him. And such a life is a beautiful thing to Christ. This is what delights him. This is what pleases him. And this delighting and pleasing him will in Mary's most brutal hour be a source of secret delight and pleasure, even in the midst of her coming pain. Why? Because Mary loved him. She put him first. She kept him foremost with extravagant, unconditional, and humble devotion. She owned him and she delighted in him. And consequently, she has the opportunity to hear Jesus own and delight in her. Mary's gift is the gift of all gifts in Jesus' sight. This is what pleases him. This is what blesses him. This is what he wants. It raises the question for us as we come to the supper this morning. Who gets the gift of our total devotion and affection? Loved ones, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the, uh, the frank truth. We can live like Judas giving money and things, our full devotion and affection. We can live like the disciples, giving him our work. We can live like the village, giving him a dinner and giving him our appreciation. But our greatest life opportunity is to give him our full devotion and our full affection. And when the opportunity comes, give him our everything. And when we do, we give him what pleases him, what he wants and what he looks for. And there's a funny thing that happens when you do. When we give him what pleases him, this devotion with affection, unlimited, unconditional. When we give him what pleases him and blesses him, we discover that in pleasing him, we find our greatest blessing. That our greatest blessing comes in blessing him. That our greatest pleasure comes in pleasing him. That our greatest joy comes in bringing him joy. Once you figure that out, you figured out the secret to life. 
The real secret to life is bringing joy to Jesus. When you bring him joy, that's when you find joy. (laughs) Everything else will let you down. That will never let you down. And, and, and the delight of delights is when you, watch this, you, you bring him joy. The, the delight of delights is bringing him joy, experiencing his joy in return. When you experience his joy in your joy and bringing him joy, your joy gets multiplied. Say, I'm going to have to think about that for a minute. Well, go ahead. We get the greatest joy from finding him, finding joy in us. We get the greatest joy from finding him, finding joy in us. It was worth it all when she heard Jesus say, Guys, stop criticizing her. She has done a beautiful thing to me. So in Mark 14, verse 9, Jesus ends this story with a solemn closing statement about Mary and her gift. And he says, truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, notice this, what she has done, what she has done, will be told in memory of her. The most important thing is not going to be that Mary's name is remembered. It's Mary's gift that's going to be remembered. Jesus envisions the worldwide proclamation of the gospel. And this proclamation will include stories about Jesus, those now contained in our gospels. And Jesus says it will especially include Mary's story. Not Mary's name, but what Mary has done, what she did in devoting all of herself without reservation to honoring and serving Christ. This will be spoken of, this will be celebrated wherever the gospel is shared. Why? Because Mary's gift of extravagant, unconditional, and humble devotion and affection are the true ends and goals of the gospel. What God really wants what God is really working for in your life and in my life. The reason why the gospel has been shared with us was so that we could be brought to a place where all of our joy ultimately and finally are found in him, finding joy in us. And I can't think of any better definition or description of heaven or what heaven will be like. Heaven will be an eternity of finding joy in his finding joy in us, in Christ. So that brings us to this place. And it brings us to the question. And the supper always brings us here, doesn't it? What has my ultimate devotion and affection? 
What do I live saying? This is worthy of my life. Oh, Father God, that it were Jesus. That there would be for us no sacrifice too great to make. Nothing that brought us greater pleasure or joy than pleasing him. With the obedience that looks like him, the resistance to sin that looks like him, the heart of love for him that spills over into a heart of of genuine love for people. Oh, that our devotion and our affection were completely Christ. Grand Lord, in these moments as we continue in worship and as we gather around the table that You would help us to see you fresh. That the gift Mary gave to Christ is the gift he gave to us. Extravagant, unconditional, humble devotion so that sinners might be made saints. For Christ's sake. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.